welcome back to the What The Fork Sunland Review Show. I said during the week that I wasn't sure if I cared about this weekend's game and I have an update for you all. I definitely, definitely do. Um, goals in the 92nd and 94th minute meant Sunland did what some others couldn't and made it through to round four of the FA Cup by beating League One opposition, which isn't for everyone. As always, it is a weekend, so we're going to have a full house to chat through Sunland's 2-1 win over Shrewsbury Town. First up, as always, Brad Sharp. Brad, how are you? You okay? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, I said on the pod last week, I didn't really care if we got through or not, but I celebrated that winner <laughs> like it was the Sheffield Wednesday game at the end of last season. Um, there's some teams that won't understand how it is to, to celebrate scoring a winner at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm very good. <laughs> Technically, it was an equaliser in some ways, but yeah, you we get the point. Um, second of all, Ross Black. Ross, how are you doing? You okay? Hi, very good. Same as Brad. I was like, oh, well, if we get beat, we get beat, you know. But then the equaliser went in, and then I was thinking, get in. And then I was like, shit, a replay at the stadium, like, that's not what we need. And then out of nowhere, Luke 09, absolute belter of a goal, and I went daft in my living room. <laughs> Dave, how are you doing? You okay? Yeah, not bad at all, Mace. Yeah, I, I did care about this one because I decided to go, which was good fun. And um, yeah, I couldn't wait for the draw for the fourth round. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll take Barrett. Oh, no, we won't. No. Uh, yeah, anyone anyone will do, you know. Hartlepool? <laughs> that, that'll do. Where's Chris Maguire when you need him? I think I'll come to you first, Dave, obviously because you were at the game today. Um, many would have called you absolutely mental for going. Obviously, slightly less of a journey for you, but you, you made a David and went hospitality in the show's brain. Can I ask, did it pay off? <laughs> yes, mate. It was, <laughs> yeah, two hours two hours away from mine, to be fair. So not the shortest journey, but not as mm. long as those those uh, coming down from, from a bomb. Um, yeah, it was... I'll tell you what, it's a lovely, friendly farmers club. That's that's all I've got to say on it. It's it's lovely, everyone to their own. You know, it's it's good to see how family orientated it is. But so the greatest one in the world. I'm really glad that we don't play League One football anymore because it is tin pot and yeah. It, I mean, it's a, it's a lovely way to win, isn't it? But Jesus Christ, we made it hard work for ourselves. Was there? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It felt a bit. I'm sure I get called an arrogant Sunderland fan for that, but whatever. Um, it it was a bit like, oh, do you remember when this used to be like a really, really meaningful game? My cat has just decided to do something there. I don't know if anyone heard that. Um, but yeah, just like, nah, not not for me. Um, thought the game itself, Brad. Obviously, class the way you win it you know, 100% the best way to win it. But we spoke about last week about whether we really cared. I kind of mentioned in the preview show that I was struggling to get enthused by it. Lo and behold, obviously, then it had been a, a really funny day at the very least, a, a good day in many ways. But I think we, we spoke last week a bit about um, whether or not, you know, not winning the game could knock momentum. And we'll talk about how important momentum was. I think if we were to win it today in terms of like a good result for momentum, that's the best kind of performance that probably actually gave us a little bit more, isn't it? And um, the best kind of result and the best way to win it. Yeah, definitely. Um, we said there'd be changes and there was. And apart from the changes. 
apart from the first five or ten minutes, which was a bit shaky, and I even said that in the group chat, I think I was writing off a couple of the players <laughs> at one point. <laughs> we actually, once we got our foot on the ball and got, got our heads in, in, in the game, we dominated. I, I thought we actually looked quite good. Um, Mowbray said it was glaringly obvious. We were missing a striker. We tried to play with the two false nines. We got in and around the box, but they were just putting 10 men behind the ball at points. Um, but yeah, I, it was actually quite good. And the commentary, I think he said, that's now one defeat in eight. I, I think it is. Correct me if I'm wrong. Momentum's massive. Um, we were beaten in four or five now. It's it's great. And last week was fine. This week, it's absolutely great. And look, we've only beaten the league one side. But we used a lot of players who were just on the on the fringes, I would say, of coming in. Apart from the back four, which was pretty much picked itself. The midfield was a little bit of a make-up of lads who were just getting in alongside Dan Neal. And then going forward, it was like, we had Jewison on one side. And then we had Ahmad and Robert, who we know what they can do. But... I think the lads who came in are, are fighting for the, the, the their shirt for the league campaign haven't done the chances that bad at all. They've, they've done great. Um, look, we needed to make changes in the second half. The changes came. and uh, once, then, once Clark and Roberts came on, I was thinking there's only going to be one winner. And then when, when we went to goal down, I was so confident. Clark and, and Stewart. Clark and Stewart. Hey, You said Roberts, you meant Stewart. Stuart, yeah. It just, it just is me editing it. That's fine. It's fine. Yeah, sorry. Um, I got that excited. <laughs> but once they came on, it was great. And yeah, we went a goal down. But I was still confident we are going to come back into it. By the way, talking of fringes, yours is a bit like Lloyd Christmas. I know this is an audio podcast, so no one's going to know that, but Brad has... Very much got a Lloyd Christmas fringe going on. Um, but then you've got Ross who's laughing at you saying that and he hasn't got a fringe. <laughs> I'd say it wasn't it was, it couldn't have been against me or Dave, could it? To be Dave's covered his. I've probably got more hair than a lot of you put together. Um wanna borrow some. Um Dave, before I go to Ross and ask his opinion of the game, I'm curious actually, uh, did you celebrate in the Shrewsbury end when we scored? Yeah, I had a little bit of a little bit of pop off of my seat and a little bit of a punch in the air. Definitely got a few hisses and a few looks, but to be fair, they were too busy fucking screaming at Trihume, let alone me. <laughs> what was he doing? Oh, mate, he gave it the old uh, crazy legs and arms straight in front of the away fans. Ross, do you hate uh, Shrewsbury as much as Dave hates Shrewsbury? <laughs> You can leave that in if you want. <laughs> but no, like this obsession with Newcastle fans, it's back. Like it stopped for a bit and then they're all back again. They're in they're in they're in the home end every away game now. It's fucking weird. There'll be honestly, there'll be there'll be loads of them in the Swansea end next week. Fact. What do you make the game though, aside from that? I well, had a dodgy start where they hit the bar. I thought you were gonna say you had a dodgy stomach there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think Alex busted after the first few minutes because he looked really nervous, really, really nervous. But once, once, like you say, Brad said, once we got settled in the game, we were fine. They had that one. I can only think two times they really like the the one we hit the crossbar, where it was just losing the ball at the edge of the box. I think it was Ahmad actually, which wasn't like him. And then obviously the Guelph, which is poor set piece. I think Roberts could probably do better on the line if we're being a bit critical. 
that's the only two times like they did anything when we battered them. We should have had a penalty. Two actually, but and he, I, I I know we probably wanted to bring this up earlier, so I'm sorry to have ruined your uh, your thing. But how can that not be given as a penalty is beyond me. Like even the Shrewsbury players walk away when he when he blows his whistle. They know it's a penalty, and then they start celebrating when he gets booted. Unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. But yeah, like you say, we, we got in the game. We dominated. Their keeper had a blinder, pulled off loads of good saves. And I did think we were getting proper league one when they scored the goal. I was like, oh, we're back in league one. This is what used to happen every week. But no, off the bench, we scored directly from a corner. We did. For the first time this season, a big moment. A big moment. And then Luke 9 rolling back the league one years, back in centre midfield on the edge of the box with an absolute screamer. No, I, I I thought like on the penalty, yeah, I was going to bring it up. Um, oh, I didn't like speaking about referees, and ultimately it doesn't matter, so it's fine. But even though on a Mishu was like debatable, but to me, at how close the ref is to that Roberts one, the only way I can think of the reason he hasn't given it was because he maybe thinks Roberts is lightweight and has gone down really easily. But even then, I'm like clutching at straws a little bit. Because the guy stands on his toe and he's looking directly at it. Um, Dave, I'll ask you this one actually, because you obviously you're at the game. Um, could you tell really obviously at the game, just to give a bit of fairness to the ref? I know he was right next to it, but just sometimes when you're there, could you tell it was a blatant pen? Yeah, the the, the Mishu one was on the other side of the pitch to me, so I couldn't really tell. But you've seen them given he, he's given the ref a decision to make. Not that this ref like making decisions today. Roberts, uh, yeah, absolutely stonewaller for me. Um, yeah, that was another great thing about the Shrewsbury fans sitting behind us every time Roberts got the ball. Diver! Yeah, stonewaller for me. Yeah, it looked really obvious and I think maybe the issue one you can have a little bit more you can maybe debate that a bit more if you want. For me, it is, but the Roberts one was just so blatant. But, but Brad, obviously, we don't really speak about referees because there's no real point. Um, and I actually hate talking about refs, if I'm completely honest. But like, it is getting a bit of a joke, even in the championship. But I think we said the other week that referees are worse in the championship than League One. And lo and behold, someone came along to remind us how, how terrible they were. I mean, how clear of a penalty does it need to be to be given? You can't get much clearer, mate. And like, well, I'm the opposite. I love talking about referees because if if you don't, if you just ignore the fact that they're absolutely shite, nothing will ever get done. And the more people do talk about it, something's got to change because EFL refereeing is atrocious. There's no other. There's no other explanation about it. Um, look, if we came away and we'd have got beat there, it would have looked like sour grapes by us talking about it. The fact when you come off from a win and you still want to mention the, the fact that the referees are appalling, it does say something. Um, there's nothing that we can say, but it, it does need addressing. Is, is is it something that they're not like? Are they being told? Unless you are 100, percent just leave it. It's it's I and off topic a bit. It's like I can't understand the FA Cup third round unless you're a Premier League club playing at home. You're not going to get VAR, so they're only using it in a certain number of games. And it's like either use it or don't use it. And put it in every stadium. I mean, if the Scottish Leagues can have it, there was one parked outside Aberdeen Stadium in a little van last week. 
it's not that complicated. You know what I mean? It's you either use it correctly and you use it in all the stadiums. I mean, I'm not saying VAR get them all right because they don't, because the people controlling that or, or to imbeciles as well. But I just can't get my head around. Like, I know he only gets one look at it, but everyone else in that stadium, everyone watching on the telly, on the um, who, who paid for it on ESPN, um, <laughs> everyone can see it's apparently the only person, only two people is the linesman who was on that side as well, by the way, who could see it and the referee, the only two people, and he gives a yellow card the other way, and it's just like, he'll get a game, he'll get a game, and he'll get paid next week to do it again, and I just can't understand how, how if a player puts a bad tackle in, or a mistimed tackle, and they get a fine, they get a suspension, but referees do it, and they just get rewarded with another game next week, or they get demoted for one week, and then they're back at doing it again, it's, it's just, it's absolutely pathetic, it's absolutely appalling, I just kind of believe how angry everyone's going. We did win, by the way. We did win. Uh, just to let you know, we did win the game of football. Um, yes, Ross, thoughts on... Uh, well, you touched on Patrick Robert itself, but... Uh, Brad's right in a way, like, on a serious note. Like, the fact that we've won, it doesn't matter, but, like, I've still wanted to bring it up because it was, like, ridiculous. Um and it just feels like across the board, the standard of refereeing is just really poor at the moment. And I hate having to go to refs because we've all got jobs to do. But it's, it just seems to be like every week there's a decision somewhere in our game or a game close to us or a game that you're watching where you're just like, how have you come to that decision? Yeah, it's it's like you say, Brad, spot on. How can you have it in one game and not the other? It brings the competition totally... Un- it's unfair. Like... A goal can get disallowed for offside, like in the Liverpool Wolves game, yet not in the Mag Sheffield game. Both like two goals were offside there. Like, it, it, the competition is not fair, in my opinion, for that to happen. It's either have it in every game or none of them. It's the fairest way to do it. You would never have a World Cup where, like, one, see, you know how you had that Euros where, like, the games were played in, like, Rome, Euro 2020 and played in 2021. When you had some games in like Rome, some games in uh, Wembley, and and so on and so forth, you would never have like games at the World Cup where some of them had VAR and some of them didn't, like a lucky dip, because some countries could afford it and some countries couldn't. So it's just, yeah, yeah. I mean, by the by, whoops on that one. I guess that's the most important thing. Um, Dave, another goal for Roscoe. Um, we've discussed this a little bit, and we've got no prior knowledge to this. Um, I don't think. But it does feel a little bit like with Middlesbrough sending another striker, a couple of clubs who are after Roscoe seemingly going a bit quiet. I hope I'm not tempting fate here, but it does feel a bit, Dave, that something might have shifted a little bit to the, the point where we might even hang on to him at least until this summer and hopefully get him tied down to a new deal. Yeah, it seems that way, mate. Um, I don't know what I'm, it is. Like, it just does, it's just a feeling, isn't it, really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's just that kind of aura about the situation. The, the one thing I'll say is, I suppose, the club have remained um, pretty firm in their standpoint, really, that he's not going anywhere. He seems to be happy playing for us, and I don't think any, <clears throat> excuse me, any of us as fans have got any reason to believe that he's, he's not enjoying playing for us. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm hopeful really. I I think I th- in terms of demeanor, I, 
I certainly think he wants to stay at the football club. And I think that emotional pull will save us. That's the wrong way to word it, really. But it will save us a couple of grand against another club, basically. You know, we'd, we've said before, and pre, listen, we talk about him every week because he is such a difference. It's as simple as that. I watched the first half from pretty much the side of the pitch today. And everything I looked at, I just thought, you know, Ross Stewart comes on and scores today. And I sat there with the other seven people that I was with and I said, listen, he will score today. And of course he did. Um, probably one of our only two aerial threats from a corner, I would have thought, really, in terms of uh, in terms of size and authority in the air. Um, his movement's clever. Yeah, I've, I've, I firmly believe we'll keep him at the end of the season. And I tell you what, I'd love, I'd love to sneak into the playoffs just for him, really. Just uh, and another special mention, uh, who I'm, I've done a Ross. I'm probably going to steal a bit of your thunder before you get on to the point. But I was talking to dear and, and talking about Luke O'Neill and how I've become such a a massive advocate for him. He's so um, yeah. Fair. I'd, I'd love for a Ross Stewart and a Luke O'Neill to have a playoff run and Luke to like realise a dream of playing Premier League football with Sunderland. I, I think he uh, he massively deserves it and I know we've got a long, long way to go before we even have a sniff but I really hope for players like that in the squad that we uh, that we go somewhere close to be fair. Yeah, I mean, it's like rinse and repeat with both of them in it really, Roscoe and, and Luke, both great. Both scored today. It's a slight difference. Well, for Luke, it is anyway. I think it's his first of the season. Great finish. Um, just a really, really likable bloke. But I think talking of Luke on nine, Brad, he's already done this, to be honest. Uh, Luke's done it for us, but we'll mention him nonetheless. We had our youngest ever outfield debutant today in Chris Rigg, 15 years old. That is like... I mean, I dread to think what I was doing at 15 years old. It certainly wasn't playing up front for a son, I'll tell you that. Um huge achievement but the biggest thing about it is you could say it's a huge achievement regardless Brad right but he actually made a difference today which probably tells you why he's so highly rated at the club that a 15 year old came on today and did make a difference yeah um, <clears throat> it's quite incredible that when Luke nine signed for Sunderland he was 11 <laughs> it's like wow it like Imagine just being fifteen year old and playing for your like playing professional football. Um, it's and and for me, that's it's that today is a big win for the academy. It's a massive win for the academy. Like you said, he's came on. He has changed the game. He's played well, played really well. Got some very good touches. He gets down the byline a couple of times. Um, but regardless of what happened, it's a massive, massive step for the club with regards to bringing through these lads and saying, look, if you stay with us, rather than chasing the money, which has happened when we, when we had Del Boy and Rodney in charge. And some of them have just like petered away and out. Like you don't hear of them. They have these big expectations or big hopes and literally they're sat in like, still sat in academies, not getting game time. It's something where the, like, uh, the club itself now can look at these young'uns or young'uns from other academies and say, look, you can stay there or you can come here and you will get an opportunity. We've just played a lad who's 15-year-old in the FA Cup in the first team. He was on the bench in the championship game a week prior. We had another three or four academy lads on the bench today. I think there were 16, 17-year-old. 
Yeah, in total, you had technically Lyndon Gooch's academy, Anthony Patterson's academy, so technically class them two as well, but there was uh, Mason Kotcher, Ben Middlemass, and Thomas Watson on the bench as well today. Yeah. So if you really want to go through the list, you've got, if you're including Patterson and Gucci, you've got one, two, uh, three, four, five, six. Of that Dan Neal. Academy. Yeah, Dan Neal as well. Dan Neal as well. It's just like, it's great for the club, like as a whole. Um, like I said, just to show these young'uns that there is a pathway. You you don't see it at many of the northeast clubs where they get in this pathway. They'll 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 get shipped on loan to League Two sides, and they don't really make a breakthrough at the, that club unless they're really good. I mean Newcastle, I know they've chucked on one or two, but they got beat. So fuck it. Um, I, like Luke said, we've won, but on his on his interview afterwards today was all about Chris Rigg. To me, I, I can sort of see what you're saying, but for me, the day was much more, like you've just said, more about Sunderland's Academy and what the hard work that has gone on over, the, especially the last few years. And it's kudos to everyone that's involved for me um, because that, that does fill me full of confidence that the future could be bright for us. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, um, Pickford and Henderson have been massive pluses for us in the Academy and probably haven't played in red and white as long as you would want them to. And look, I know Rick has interest. I believe his family is um supporter of the other side. And I understand that even, you know, that aside that playing in the Premier League and going to academies and you no know, money does talk. I, I get that. But I suppose you've got to hope in the same way that the likes of, and I'm not putting them on the same pedestal. I haven't watched the kid enough, to be honest. I just know you made it an impression today and obviously it's highly rated, but the likes of um, Jude Bellingham obviously were, were looked at by Birmingham. I think he played 15, 16 years old. You're talking two years later and he's world-class playing for Dortmund, linked to every team under the sun, including Real Madrid. And he was obviously brought through by um, Mike Dodd, by all accounts. Um, and I think that also... Obviously, Speakman had a lot to do with that as well, and that's why he remains close with Bellingham and why Mike Dodge was on the, the TV during the World Cup. And he, you've got to hope, I suppose, and this is total 360 for me, that um, the likes of Chris Rigg do say, you know what, actually, if I can even get in the team here at the championship level for like a couple of years, maybe I'll be in you know a better stead um, when I get to XYZ or whichever club it may be. Um, but you're touching it as well there. There's so many academy players that are within that squad today. There's so many academy players that are within our team um, on a regular basis in the championship. Uh, it was criticised an awful lot, Ross, a few years ago when you said Delbo and Rodney. I quite like Delbo and Rodney, to be honest. So I wouldn't compare them to them two. Um, but I think, you know, we sold off Hugo, uh, Barley Mumbo was obviously one, Sam Greenwood, and all those kids, I mean, Hugel's kind of playing in the academy at Man United. I think he's doing quite well, but I haven't seen him get anywhere near Man United's first team. And I know that's a bit different, but nonetheless, Sam Greenwood took a few years before he got anywhere. And it wasn't Arsenal he did it with, it was Leeds. Um, not to say that he's doing badly, he's doing really well, actually. I think as far as I'm aware from a couple of Leeds fans that I know, but... The academy's started turning itself around again, Ross, hasn't it? It started to get to a point where... The academy players are not just seen as someone you can sell for a quick buck. They're actually got half a chance of getting in the team. And now we've got, you know, we've, we have got a shot at keeping a really, really talented 15 year old. We might not, but we've got a shot where a couple of years ago, that kid wouldn't have even been on the pitch today. He would have been sold a long time ago. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I mentioned it years before. I've been watching the, some of the under-18s this season. Got a fantastic team there, but a lot of them are playing up. So a lot of like, you know, Mason Kocher again, he's just under 16, I think. You think he's 16 year old. Um, they've been, I've seen a video on YouTube when they're playing Liverpool the other month. And Liverpool have got like all these stars who are meant to be amazing under 18s brought from everywhere. And they beat them four out. It was an absolute hammering playing some great football. So we've got the appointments right as well in the academy. I think that's got to be done. But everyone, including myself, was like, However, we haven't got an under-23s manager. However, we haven't got a head of academy. And this summer, there was a clear directive to get that sorted. And you've seen, I think, is it... Well, I can't remember the kid's name. Um, From... Is it Dundee? Who's now in charge of Dundee at Ains? Yeah, academy? it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And we've got the guy from Southampton, who's now academy manager. Graham Murty's in for the 23s. So we've got a structure in place of people who've done well at the respective clubs as well where we've got them from, which is a nice change from getting Paul Reed from fucking Eastleigh. You know what I mean? Like, God, fucking hell, that was bad, wasn't it? See, so every time I just... The day has just reminded me of League One so much, and I'm so fucking glad we're not there anymore. What a shithole. Graham Murty, obviously won't go too in-depth, but had a lot to do with um, one of my family members in terms of like uh, being one of the coaches um, there at the youth level, and one thing I can say about him, obviously I wasn't coached by him, but he was a really great bloke. Um, and I think we've got a really good human being there, which I think is almost as important as having a good coach there when the kids are that age and, and bringing the academy through is having a good person there. It's got the best interests at heart. Um, and he really does. There's a few stories I can go into. I won't because uh, I'm not mind to tell, but a good, good fella, a really good fella. Um, on to the, the sort of the immediate future, I guess, looking at the, the January transfer window, Matete has gone out. I think some of us expected Diaco to go out. Uh, Diaco and Diaco, um, Diaco to go out today. Uh, he was injured. It's been confirmed, so it wasn't a case of. Uh, well, if Tony Mowbray says he was injured, maybe maybe he wasn't. Um, who knows? I think he will be going out. I, I like Jay Matete a lot. I think I said this online the other week, Dave. Before we go into incomings or potential incomings and, and finish the show, uh, how much do you think regular game time is going to benefit Jim and Teddy, especially at a club that's doing very well in Plymouth? Yeah, definitely. And it's, dare I say it, but it's the model, isn't it? They've sent him to a club where he's going to make an impact, but in a club that's flying high, that tries to play football in the right way. It's almost as if we've got a clear and concise plan as a football club, which is... Absolutely crazy. Now, yes, me and you've had our had our say on the on the Ross Stewart thing, um, and and how maybe the model needs stretching every now and again, to say the least. I'm not sure that sounds good in an audio podcast, but <laughs> we'll roll with it. Um, so, yeah, it, it's good, isn't it, to to get to get players like that out there who's going to make a difference. And to be honest, I've seen a lot of reaction from the Plymouth fans um, saying that they've got an absolute steal, far too good of a footballer for League One. And yeah, I totally understand where they're coming from. I think he has got enough about him to make an impact. Playing minutes is only going to be good for him and good for Sunderland, to be fair. If, uh, you know, it looks like we've we've entered into contract negotiations with uh, Brad's prodigal son, Corey Evans. Um, and that's good news. But I, I get the feeling that as we get on with Corey Evans, 
he's going to be there as a mentor to the likes of Giamatetti, trying to teach him, give him a bit of experience. So, um, yeah, a, a good thing. And I'd like to think that Giamatetti's career with uh, with Sunderland's still pretty much starting out as opposed to ending just because he's gone out on loan, to be honest. Yeah, same. Um, there was a guy online who I think speaks an awful lot of called Alex. I think it's Alex. Um, Tony Mowbray's profile photo, so obviously he's a good bloke. Um, but he was saying about how, how much the loan move to Blackpool did for Embleton. And, you know, Matete could be very similar. I think gone are the days where we just loan a player out for the sake of loaning up because we don't want them anymore. I think he's gone there very much with a clear plan. And Tony Mowbray said as much. And, hey, look, I think Matete is quite raw. I'm not entirely sure I agree with what a lot of Plymouth fans are saying and saying he's going to be well above League One level. I think he's still at the minute a good League One player at best. Um but he'll pick up a lot playing six months of solid football in a promotion chasing team that hopefully, you know, um you'll get promoted with them. And um actually do I want them to get promoted? That's a long old away day that. Um well we're getting promoted so it's fine. Yeah, go on then. Um but yeah, good luck to him. Um Brad, incomings obviously I think I get I get the feeling we're gonna hear something this week the way Tony Mowbray is speaking. Sam Surridge linked this week. We asked a broadhead question last week. It looks like he's A, going on the Ipswich because B, we don't want them. Um, first and foremost, obviously, what are your thoughts on the January window? And second of all, what are your thoughts on the, the broadhead situation? If the club don't want them, is that the, do you think that's the right avenue to go down? Or do you think kind of like forgetting a little bit the fact that he might turn us down in the in the window or chose Wigan because of game time and just say, you know, you know what, Nathan, if you want to come, you've worked well here before. In you get. Yeah, my, my opinion on Border hasn't changed from last week, really. I think I said, and we both said, if Border is to come in, it's a permanent. If it's to come on loan, nah, I didn't want to attain it again. Um, he's, he has got talent. The lad has got talent. We know he has. I, I think he's played 20 games and still scored five goals. But when he's played his 20 games for Wigan, a lot of them have been substitute appearances or he's been hauled off on 60 minutes. Because we, they, we know he hasn't got a full ninety in him, or at least can't play like a, a good run of games. Saying that, a million pound for a player who potentially can score you a few goals in in a club where he, he will settle pretty quickly is probably worth the gamble for me. And just think, look, you did turn us down in the summer, but you're here now. Let's get on with it. But if he doesn't come, I'm not going to be overly pissed off like I was in the summer where he turned us down. It'll be like, oh, well. But I'm, I'm the same as you. Um, it was interesting hearing Speakman's uh, talk to the club website through the week with a lot of the things that he said. Um, I did get the feeling that they are going to act pretty soon in getting a striker in with one of the con- contingencies that they did have in place in case the other sim situation came up. But I do also think if we do get another striker in, Ellis Sims, if he was offered back to us, would come. I, I don't think there's any way that the club would say no. Um, not just for ourselves, but more for Ellis Sims because I think Speakman is just as pissed off about hindering his development as Ellis Sims will be himself. So I think they do it more just to say, look, come back, you, you were doing well. And again, it's another one where it's pretty much risk-free because you haven't got that you haven't got that bedding-in period. It's literally come back to a squad where he knows everyone pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we will see something this week, without a doubt, because the way it is, mate, we've got one striker. 
we've got nothing worse. And if it's not going well, or Stuart's starting to flag a bit, which he doesn't really, but you, you never know. We haven't got really anything we've seen today. We haven't really got a plan B without him because we get in good areas, but we've got no one there. When the ball comes into the six-yard box in between the penalty spot and the, and the goal, that no one's going to get on the end, really. So I think that first half has actually shown them that we do need to go out there and get a number nine and very quick. Whether that be someone who comes in as a backup for Stewart or, like uh, Speakman said, someone at times that could play alongside him. I'm, I'm happy for both. Um, but I still do think Ellis Sims will come back. I think he's went to Everton because Lampard's panicked and he'll get sacked next week. There's no doubt about that. He's, he's panicked. I mean, he didn't even get on the pitch in the FA Cup. And you thought that would have been the opportunity where he's went, you know, right, we'll see what you can do. We're playing against the Premier League side. Go and have a go. But even then, so if he does come back, he's not cup tied for the next round because he didn't play and Everton are out as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not panicked. Like last year, we were panicking, weren't we really? Saying it needs to happen mm. now, needs to happen now. And although we've only got one striker, I'm sort of... I'm a little bit more relaxed. I think we're in a good we're in a, we're in a good place. We're like with form and the mentality of the players. I think even if Stuart was to get injured, touch wood, God forbid, the players also like there's a good attitude amongst them where they just don't soak about it. That they'll get on with it, and I think that's sort of allowing me to accept them a little bit more time to get it right. I'd rather get it right and take an extra week than get it completely wrong. You get someone then better targets have gone yeah I feel I feel quite comfortable considering that the club's actually in quite a difficult place I imagine um, there's no doubt a difficult place in terms of the LSM situation because I have no doubt in my mind that if we were told look you can have him back in three weeks would probably like maybe look for one strike or see if something's decent and then bring um, Sims back but because Everton have seemingly, it's to me, it sounds like they've recalled them like at a day's notice. It's not been something that they've been made aware of for at least too long, um, and totally pulled them out just to kind of not aid his development. In my opinion, we don't know what's going to happen with him. I would hope he comes back. I really like Ellis Sims, and I think he's a really big loss. Um, I think he will be a really big loss if he doesn't. But I think at the same time, the club can't sit and wait to see if he might come back. We, we do need to look at stuff, and for me. Um, I know some people don't agree with it and I've seen a lot of talk online about Broadhead for me I, I agree with you Brad the same as I did last week not a loan deal but I think permanent I'd, for a million quid I'd snap your hands off like I think because we need two strikers and I think that's an, an easy one to bring in I think he's a great finisher um, and he also gives you options in and around the area like you can play on the off the left you can play off the right he can play behind the, the front man and obviously he's linked up with Roscoe in the past and, and done well, but either way, we'll, we need to bring someone in. Obviously, Surridge is another one, but um, Russell, I'll throw the last one to you then. What do you think needs to be done in the window and do you think anything needs done urgently? Is any kind of major surgery needed in the next couple of weeks, do you think? I wouldn't say a major surgery, but I think we could do another strike room before Saturday, just in case. And also, if we need a goal at home, I know Mowbray does like to play two strikers up top, just like we did at the end against Blackburn, and it did make a massive difference. Getting balls into the box with the players we've got, the wide players we've got, the delivery they've got. I think having two up front just occupies the defenders more as well. Um, on Broadhead, controversial, but I think where we are in the league and the targets that are being linked with, I don't know. If I honestly think the club might just think. 
is he is he good enough for what we need for what we're going to bring in the standard, um and it looks like he's going to go to Ipswich. Okay, it might be because they want to pay more money, but still about a league one, and the club might be thinking, look, we want targets who are going to be Premier Championship or Premier League, so I think we'll get someone in on loan who's played in the Championship before, going off what we've been linked with, and then also a wild card youngster from either an academy coming up or someone abroad and it's going to be interesting to see which centre midfielder we'll bring in because now we've let Matetia go we know Evans has got his injury issues and although I have got to say how good Dan Neal has been since Christmas unbelievable he's run the show in most of the games especially away from home he's been fantastic still think we need another centre midfielder in there I'd like an experienced head, but I don't think that's what we're going to go for. But, um, yeah, I don't think defensively, when players come back from injury, I don't know what we need, to be honest. I think we're quite well stopped defensively for a change. We haven't said that for years. We've got two left-backs, two right-backs, Gucci and Hume, and right, Ballard, 0-9, and Bart, centre-half. Is he height there? It's as but, it's as if we got told we need a few transfer windows and we'll have a base and we have. We're just we're just so not used to it. It's like fucking hell, what the hell is this? A plan? Mad. Yeah, well, I mean, I think everyone's knows my thoughts on certain things that I take everything in and its own merit every situation, but I think the longer the season goes on, the longer things are going really well. So I've got a lot of trust in them. Uh, long, one thing we do know is that Jermaine Defoe is not going to be coming in at the end of this January transfer window. But please, God, we Philly, go at the Academy Light again because that was the best thing you've ever done. Um, but in terms of this week, obviously, we'll end it there. Uh, Ross, Brad, Dave, thanks very much. But um, ultimately, again, we didn't think we'd care about that much. But just a massive positive, isn't it, I think, Ross? And let's hope we get a good draw. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'd have to go to Tottenham Stadium. I haven't been to Tottenham Stadium before. Get another boring draw. Nah, Tottenham away. 9,000 Mackhams. I tell you what. It's going to be Blackpool away. Oh. Fuck off. And I'm well, going to get very drunk once again. i tell you what, we'll leave it on this. So, Ross, you said Spurs away is the game that you'd want. I think I will... What would I want? Is any non-league teams left in? Wrexham. Wrexham away, 100%. Fuck that. Could you imagine getting beat off Phil Parkinson? No way. <laughs> and would be on fucking Disney Plus as well. Fuck that, no. Uh, is Callum, Mc... Callum McFadden still there, though? Yeah. yeah. Imagine, Can you imagine him trying to defend against Amad Diallo? <laughs> that might tempt us, to be fair. Nah, I'm not for it, me. That is, fuck, fuck Disney Plus. That would be worthy of the comedy channel, that. Right, you, <laughs> you know exactly what's happening in this draw, don't you? We're blatantly getting chef wed. A replay of the semi-final of the playoff, and we'd have getting the mags if they'd have actually held their end of the bargain and beat a League One team, which they didn't do, by the way, just in case anyone hasn't picked up on that. I it's think chef wed would be like, chef wed away considering... We got them in the cup earlier in the season would be the worst draw. <laughs> it's like, meant to be on the same day as we're playing Rotherham, though. Mm-hmm. I've noticed. Yeah. So that's off. Can... That wasn't done. Yeah, <laughs> are Rotherham still in it? 
no, they got beat off um, Ipswich. Uh, I feel sorry for a lot of the lads who clearly booked train tickets. I've seen that mentioned mm. for Rotherham. So let's hope Chef Wed will be all right because be close to the... You can get, get there from the train station. I know I said it'll probably be Blackpool, but that was like not even wishful. For me, I wouldn't mind being one of the big boys to the stage. my life. Mm-hmm. I think we get a bump of crowd there. Say, say like your, your Man Cities or Spurs, someone like that. Um, I wouldn't mind taking them at home. And you just see where you're at. We, we talk, we rant and rave about our, our front four and how they would fare. Why not bring the big boys and just see how we get on? I think James had a really good day, hasn't he? I can tell. Aye. <laughs> um, Reach. I've only, I've only had four pints of Guinness as well. I'm not even blot. Oh, can you imagine if I was smashed? And for that, we will thank everyone um, for joining me this week. Hopefully we do get a really decent draw. That's going to be a, a nice day. Um, I think we all know the league's the most important thing. But a nice day nonetheless. And this season that just continuously keeps on throwing up nice things. Um, but ultimately, good day. Positive. Thanks very much, lads. Pleasure, mate. Thank you. Cheers, Graham. All the best, boys.